Uh, this week, I feel so it has been a bit of a battle. A lot of people has just been, there's loads of bugs and sicknesses going about. And we'll just pray for people's health when about this time as well. This morning, I'm speaking on, we're on a radical series, Radical Jesus. And they just, he was a radicalist in the terms where he just started a movement and he was like a radical guy. But he was so unique, so set apart, so unlike us, his lifestyle was completely radical from start to finish. And in some shape or form, the people that confess to follow him has to hear the attributes. So we are set apart, we're different, following Jesus is not just like following a club, like turning up for the bingo every so often. Like it's a lifestyle, it's a person, a presence that we follow, a God that's to be honored, worshipped, and revered, and He transforms our life. And this morning, I'm on surrender, radical surrender. So it would be, I can't know if it would be easy, but the expectation when you hear the word surrender would be like, ah, oh, that's so lofty when we speak about surrendering to Jesus. Like, I, I, I guess I'm in good company. And I say, not one of us has perfectly surrendered our lives to Jesus. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. So we're all on the same place, or we follow Jesus in a surrendered lifestyle, knowing that His grace is sufficient, knowing that sin can encroach in our lives at different strengths in different areas, and we live in a fallen world, yet surrendering to Him and His ways is part of following Jesus. And it'd be easy to start with us and just open up the Word of God and say, hey, come on, God's people, surrender your heart, surrender your life, follow Him. And then your response would be, it's really, really difficult Monday through Sunday to hear a life of surrendering to Jesus. Knowing that we know about the thoughts that come into our heads, about the things that can distract us. Only one person on the face of the planet has ever surrendered their life perfectly to God. And no, it's not me. It's not the leadership of the church. It's Jesus. Who are the whole of humanity. There's only one that's ever surrendered perfectly. In the first bit of this morning, I want us to look at the brilliance of Christ's surrender. You will never ever surrender to God in an incredible way to turn your back on the things of the world, I believe unless you realize the surrender that Christ had towards you, or you might just de in the flesh and mere effort, I want to turn our eyes upon Christ and look at Him firstly as a picture of radical surrender. Turn we met Hebrews chapter 10, reading for verse 2. This blows my mind to think that Jesus did 
for us, his creation. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, speaking about the sacrifice or the old, te- old covenant of bulls and sheep and goats, the sacrifices would have been stopped for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time. Their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually remind them of their sins year after years. It's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You are not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God. As it is written about me in the Scripture, First, Christ says, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them. In another verse, he says, he did not consider equality with God something to cling on to, but instead, he humbled himself and became a man. And Christ took up our sins on that cross. Consider us. He did not consider equality with God something to cling on to. He says to God, the Father, I'm going to offer myself. I've got a body I can offer to be a sacrifice for humanity. Radical surrender. That before Jesus became flesh and was born of a virgin. He was God. He was in the perfect place, cut heaven. He didn't gain superiority by coming to the cross to live and to die for us. Could you imagine in a world that were so involved in the mentality is get popular, get famous, get riches, have a good time of it. That's the meaning of life. It's what the world would say. Yet Jesus, before he came to earth, was God. He was Lord. He was worshipped already and adored by angels. He was creator that created his creation. He was already in the place of absolute perfection, absolute joy. He was God. He had every single thing he could ever hope for or dream for or imagine. He already was the great I am. He already was Lord thy God, Elohim, El Shaddai. He already was. But there was a problem. He loved his creation, humanity that he created in his image. And there was one thing missing for the heavenly place. You can't fit with it was you. It was you. 
although he was already Lord, he was already God, and he had everything, he was already invincible, he was already champion, he wanted to be your Savior. Because we were fallen, we fell short, we turned our back on God and His ways, we became sinful, we sinful, we chased other things apart from God. And so Jesus says this, God in the Hebrews, I am going to offer myself as a sacrifice. I will become for them a redeemer. I have a body. I will give them the solution. I will make a way. I will surrender my life. I will give up for them. The good news that Christ came to seek and to save sinners. I wonder how our conversation went in heavenly places. Jesus is worshipped and adored by angels. He's got everything. He's adored. He's at the place of perfection. He's already the great I am. And then he says to the angels, I need to go. I need to leave. And he gave up this, the riches of heaven, the beauty, the worship of angels, the angels, the place of perfection, and I gave up. And the angels, why? Why are you going to give this up to become like a poor person on earth? And Jesus would have responded, because I need to become a sacrifice for my people, because I want them to be with me forevermore. I wonder how heaven felt for 33 years, this darling of heaven, this great I am, the son of God, to become the son of man. Have you ever thought about that? That when Jesus was on earth, there was something missing for the heavenly courts. As the angels looked on at the unfolding of salvation, and Jesus Christ is an absolute perfect perfection, a display of surrender. I'm giving it up. I'm going to face the enemy. I'm going to get tempted. I'm going to go weak. People will reject me. I wonder how the angels felt when they seen people walk away from Jesus, calm everything, and would eventually bruise him. They must have thought, wow, this is the Son of God. This is the great I am. He's gone about doing good. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's feeding the poor. They must have thought, do you not realize who this is? This is Jesus Christ. This is the one that's worthy to be worshipped. Yet you people turn your back on him. And Jesus allowed himself for a moment to be vulnerable, to bleed, and to die for us. I want us this morning as we consider surrender, firstly, consider Jesus as the absolute ultimate picture 
or surrender? What else do you can? I mean, some people have done great charity work. But what else do we know that had absolutely everything and as God gave it up for you, personally gave it up for you, humbling himself on the cross. What a saviour we have, haven't we? What a Christ we serve. What a hero Jesus is. He could have just tore the hell globe. He was so powerful, even at the cross. He says, I could car angels doing and scrap this moment, but I need to become a sacrifice. I am Lord. I want to become their Savior. I'm going to pay the price of my precious blood. And on that cross, Jesus agonized for three whole hours so that you do not have to face eternity or anguish through him. It's a gospel of good news. Let's look at somebody that surrendered, the writings of Peter. So Jesus shows up, heaven surrendered ah. And he expects us, the humanity, come follow me. The heartbeat of the gospel. He shows up to Peter for saying a bad day at the fishing. He kind of catch nothing. And then Jesus shows him how good and wondrous he is with the miracle of the miraculous catch. And Peter says, wow, I'm undone. I'm a sinner. And Jesus says, look. Come follow me. I will make you a fisher of men. Jesus showed up to tax collectors in their booths and says, Come follow me. How could he say that? How could he expect that? Because Jesus himself had already eclipsed nothing to do with surrender. So when he walks ashore to our life, and Peter's life, and says, Come, I've given up everything to give you this opportunity to come follow me. And Peter, something burns in his heart. It's like, I follow him, the one that gave and was going to give Peter everything. Peter would eventually deny Christ. But often, Peter seen the cross, when he seen that nail-pierced hands, when Jesus rose for the grave, Peter was reintroduced as an apostle because he'd seen the Christ that had given him everything. Peter was then to write these words in 1 Peter 1, 18. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. It was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ. The Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. And now in these last days he has been revealed for your sake. Through Christ you have come to trust in God. 
You have placed your faith and hope in God because He raised Christ from the dead and gave Him great glory. You were cleansed from your sin when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. You've been born again, not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living Word of God. As the Scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers, the flowers fades, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. And that Word is the good news that is preached to you. The everlasting hope and the sacrifice of Jesus. And chapter 2 says this, so get rid of our evil behavior. Peter, in writing his two letters, could have concentrated on his end, wonderful surrender. Okay, he could have told us about that moment that he started following Jesus. He could have told us about his big boat that was called Happy Clappy Christian. He could have told you about his lifestyle before Jesus. How big of a gangster he was. He could have told you that he had a Mercedes donkey, personalized number plate and everything. And he could have wrote letters to churches saying, look at me before I met Jesus. Look what I hid. But I gave it up and gave up to follow Jesus. I've never regretted since. Oh, no, he doesn't start there. You look through Peter's message, Peter's letters. He never boasted in fit he gave up. He did question Jesus once and says, look, we've given up everything to follow you. We're following you. And Jesus says, hey, homie that's given up one thing to follow me, I'm going to give a hundred times more in this life and the next. But when Peter was encouraging churches, he didn't say, look at my story. Look what I gave up. And he says, no, look to Jesus. Look at what he gave up. Look to the blood. Look to the spotless Lama God. That gave everything for you. And because of that, you get rid of all thing that will stop you following Jesus. Evil behavior goes because you follow Jesus that gave us everything for us. Habits that really interfere with the peace of God in your life, ungodly behavior. Peter reminds the church. Look at Christ. Look at the surrender. Look at the beauty. Look at the blood. Look at the cross. Look at the resurrection. And if you get a great picture of that, then surrendering to God, it's not the greatest boss that you will do. It's not your greatest achievement. It becomes the very least we can do. The very least we can do is follow Jesus even imperfectly, but a willing heart. That even if you was to make a mistake, even if you was to blow it a thousand times a thousand, you would come back to Jesus and say, sorry, I recognize you are the sacrifice. Your grace is always sufficient. And I might give up on myself, but I'm going to give up on you. Because there's an eternal hope that is waiting for us. 
How do you surrender? Get a great picture of Christ's surrender for you. Get a thanks given in your heart that he came. Worship him. Honor him. Mark that part of your daily routine is to get up, hit communion. That helps. Get your bread, get your wine, get your cracker, get your ribena. But here a moment of oh, sweetness of oh, thank you, Jesus. And I want to live this day trying to live for Him and my own strength. But start the day, thank you, Jesus. You are the sacrifice that you came to give us hope. You came to give us a future. You came to save our souls. It's a great place to start your day. I'm not saying, look, religion, just religiously get up and say a few words to Jesus. It doesn't need to be the start of the day. But within your routine, appreciate the awesomeness Oh, Jesus, ask for his help for you to live your life before him. We can get so hung up on our stories, on backgrounds, and for I've given up to follow Jesus. Forever you've given up is a simple drop in the ocean to fit Jesus gave up for you. Let no man boast. Make your boast in the Lord. I can't feel like it's to come fair background of darkness and chaos and hear the testimony of who you've given up to follow Jesus. People want to hear the testimony. You've given up for you walked away. Sometimes that stories. Folk want to hear that stories. But for them that's followed Jesus got saved at Sunday school. It's a story of darkness giving up so much more. A story of being a gangster. And how much chaos we cause. There's that story so much greater than mum and dad were Christians. They prayed for me. I got saved. Followed Jesus. I got baptized at 12. Served on teams. Served Jesus. I kind of like to meet him. I love him and honor him. Oh, but the story of the gangster. If ever you've given up, then I boast in the story. God's too worthy for that. Then I boast in for you gave up or for you worked a wafe. Peter never made it his boast. Jesus just showed up and he followed him. And Christ is here the day for you to reveal to you you can walk a wafe for things that are binding you, for things that are causing you chaos.
Not because you're great, but because he's great. And he gave up for you. And it's the least you can do to follow Jesus is to walk away with things that God hates. This is a tough message. I get it. If I wants to hear about surrender, we come to church to hear it, I think it's okay. God understands. He really loves you. There's no change expected. And then we wonder why there's so much chaos in the church. I tell you, God is so amazing. He's so radical. He's so beautiful. He's beyond comprehension. His surrender was so needed for us. And so humble. They would get out, even though he was God, he would become like man. He'd be beaten, battered, and broken for you. So it's not the best we can do is follow Jesus. It's the least we can do. The least we can do is throw off everything that hinders. And you're maybe here this morning and you think, well, that sounds great, but I'm in a mess. And what I tell you the good news is grace is sufficient. You're not dead yet. So God's still got a plan for you here. And maybe you just need to hear that, the amazingness or the sacrifice, the surrender of Jesus for you to be here. And I say, yes, Jesus. I've been holding on to this. Nobody cares about it. I've been addicted to this. Nobody cares about it. Nobody in my household have just been stuck. It's my go-to. Well, I tell you, God's so amazing. He didn't want that for your life. Walk away from it. Jesus says, if one thing's causing you to sin, he says some severe things. I'm grateful for the kids are, going, are doing stairs. If your right eye causes you to sin, what did Jesus say? Gouge you out. No, I'm not wanting to gouge a new eye ministry. <laughs> Your right hand causes you to sin. What did he say? Lope off. If it was Jesus saying, if only thing is stopping your relationship with God, to fall, get rid of it. Just get rid of it. If there's one thing stopping you, just get rid of it. If there's relationships that you got it and it is destroying you, your relationship between you and Jesus, it's time to reconsider that relationship. Get severe against the sin that is entangling you to follow Jesus. You hear my right? God loves you. He loves you as a sinner. Sin is anti-God. It's rebellion. God's best for you is now lifestyle or habitual crazy sin. But he will entice his people through his kindness to come in the moments of repentance and say, sorry, God. By his kindness, he leads us to repentance. The Apostle Paul, if I had a lot to boast about, he had a story, a story of chaos, a story of rebellion. He was a persecutor of the church. There's only a few occasions that you actually hear Paul sharing his story. It's when he's in front of the Sanhedrin and he's getting persecuted. I get thrown into prison and they ask him, it's your story. He would tell them I was a persecutor and God met me. 
with others. Oh, anybody with a testimony that would do the church circuit, you would invite Paul. You'd get Paul to go to here, the assemblies of Baptists, and you'd get Paul because that guy's got a testimony. When you read through Paul's letters, he wasn't big on his testimony. He wasn't big on his story. Listen to what he says in Philippians chapter 3. Read for verse 4. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. As for righteousness... I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought all these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless. All that good stuff, I now consider them worthless. In another translation, it says garbage. That's a good biblical word, isn't it? Garbage. Because of what Christ has done, yes, everything else is worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for his sake for his sake I have discarded everything else counting it all as oh that's that word garbage so that I could gain Jesus hallelujah and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. And we're working that through Romans. He never said us, see my life before I got saved. I was so bad. I was such a mess. He said, I see my party and lifestyle. He said, I see if I pop my nose and get high. He never said that stuff was garbage. He listed other incredibly good things. I was zealous for the Jewish people. As for righteousness, a tactively box to deal with the law. I was a pure-blooded Hebrew. I had a lot going for me. But all the good stuff before Jesus garbage. So if the good stuff was garbage, how much more garbage was the bad stuff? He hardly even mentions it. Before Jesus, all that, to me new, garbage, worthless, waka for the sake of Jesus. To know Jesus Christ, my Savior, A surrendered life. But I would say your surrender should not be your focus. Mark Christ your focus. Mark faith in Christ a sincere devotion or relationship with Him. And when you see His sacrifice, when you have the revelation of the nail pierced hands, then walking away for other things.
to follow Jesus is quite simply the least we will do. And I pray for God's people, a daily prayer to strengthen His church. And I pray for our young people that we will again see a radical favor. We are radical people that will follow Him, that will just now look like a person of the world but goes to church on Sunday. That's devaluing for Jesus done on the cross. We owe it to Him to be sincere, Christ-loving, brethren-loving, world evangelistic to save the world, followers of Jesus, because He was a radical Savior for radically surrendered His life. And I wonder that if we get a damn view of the radical surrender of Jesus, that our lives didn't show one ounce of it is to radically follow Jesus in the world's eyes. Remember this, we're called to something different. We're called to something unique. We're called to something godly. And I pray that God raises up. We've got kings with young people. We've got community kids. We've got powerhouse. Fast praying for a radical generation. Come on. Fast praying for a radical generation. A bunch of people that will follow Jesus. Turning their backs on the things of the world and sincerely following through on the Lord. Let's pray as a church. God willing, God empowered, that He would reveal to us His surrender. And we would radically surrender our lives. Then ask a worship team to come up. There was a church in Ephesus. We speak about radical surrender. It says, as the message went forth with boldness, it came from the community did, the believers. They teen out. Other books are witchcraft. They amount in value millions of pounds in the day's terms. They went home and got other books of witchcraft, of fortune telling. You can't the did with them. They had a bondy with them. Andrew would have loved that. It was an act of surrender. It was an act to have things in my house that are near godly, that God hates. There's no record of a sermon that was preached at that moment against witchcraft, but something caused them to go into their house, and maybe I'm speaking to just one person here, that there's something in your house that God hates that entangles you by sin. And a radical people would go home for here and forever it is. 
would destroy it. Not boasting that you destroyed something, but as an act of sacrifice. Because somewhat soon silly. I mind when I got saved, I was big into rock music was my thing. Then I got saved and Teen Challenge could only listen to Christian music. And the weekend hymn, that sounds silly. I got a box, I'm a non-Christian music, went into the box. He got rid of it as a sign of sacrifice to follow Jesus. The church in Ephesus, I felt as though it was the least I could do for my Savior. Church in Ephesus, books of magic, let's say a bondy. Before it tells you that, it says this, that Jesus was greatly honored in that place. Greatly honored. And the fear of God came upon them. And then they went home. And then they had the bonfire. My prayer is this. Not do it just in our human effort, but a God-honoring moment that the church would be God-honoring, Christ-honoring. And some healthy fear of the Lord would come upon us. And there'll be an awakening within us that says, no, no, this is not right. I'm following our Christ now. God, get rid of us. And so let's pray. Then we'll worship and take up our tithes and offerings. I know this. Surrendering's a heavy message. I know this. Some people prefer to hear other things. But I know this. When Christ is on the move, And the message of Jesus is preached boldly. His surrender. Then farewell deem God's people is to raise up a bold, radical people. A body of Christ for him. And maybe this is even your first morning here. Would you follow Jesus? Would you follow him? The least you can do is follow him. The least you can do. I'm going to ask ours just to take a moment. We're going to bow our heads. I'm going to ask everybody do you want to start following Jesus? You've heard of Christ's surrender for you. And you want to say this morning that I want to follow Jesus. You didn't ken my past and neither do I have to. But there's an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And as we sit here with God's people and ask if you want to be included in a prayer of salvation, just put your hand up, I will see you, and that'll be your sign oh, I'm ready to follow Jesus. And I'll lead you in the believer's prayer that you say yes to God. And during this time, we'll leave about 30 seconds for folk to consider. If you want to say this morning, yes, 
follow Jesus. Surrender my heart to him. Because of his brilliance and his grace, we'll leave 30 seconds to respond by putting up your hand. And I'll see that hand. And we'll say thank you. And we'll pray a prayer. For God's people, I gotta pray. The brilliance of the revelation or the sacrifice and the resurrection of Christ would be made as clear as day. Let's take a moment just to stand in his presence before we worship. God, as we stand in your presence, I pray that the cross would be made clear, the sacrifice that you paid. That you being God didn't think it was something to cling to when we needed you and we were lost. I pray for a fresh revelation and appreciation of your radical surrender. And I pray for a strength upon God's people to lay down the things that are harming us, to walk away from ungodliness, evil behavior, jealousy, and bitterness, and to follow you our Savior, King Jesus. And we simply say that we love you, we honor you, and we ask as we stand here that you would empower us to live for Jesus, that your grace would be sufficient and help us to share the message, the true message of the gospel. And we would see other people instantly following you through the power and through the grace of the risen Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship Him. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. Let's take up our tithes and offerings, and we thank you for the gracious giving of God's people.